You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then the amazing thing was that he then went and sat down with the intent of teaching uh, the men there in the synagogue. And when he did so, he made this declaration. He said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And what Jesus was really saying was, you know what? I've come to do this. I am this Messiah. I am this one who has come And so we're going to springboard off of that today and talk more about this idea of freedom. Now, what I want you to understand as we go forward is that this is not going to be a series of sermons where we're going to call you into like crazy, outrageous, experiential moments, all right? There may be some of those that happen along the way, but the reality is that your freedom does not hinge on how you feel, all right? Your your freedom is not about feeling. But your freedom comes out of what you know. It's the truth that sets you free, not just what you might experience as you are learning that truth. So I don't want you to bank on an experience. I don't want you to bank on a feel-good. I don't want you to bank on something that, that we do together in some way corporately that makes you feel better or, or maybe it, it, it reinforces what we've been teaching you. Those things are wonderful. They're powerful moments. We're going to call you together several times throughout the series to just come to the front and let's pray together. Let's declare the scripture over ourselves together. Let's do these things. Let's pray for one another. Let's confess our sins to one another. All of these things are going to happen, but they are not your freedom. They are pieces that allow you to be free, but your freedom is in your understanding of who you are and who Jesus is. And so... Initially, we want to lay some foundation for you here, all right? And so we, we obviously wanted you to understand last Sunday, for those of you who may not have been here, the, the idea was, the big idea was that God intends for you to be free. God doesn't want you to stay in bondage. God doesn't want you to stay in an Egypt, all right? God wants to move you to cross over, to cross a river, all right, and, and to live on the side of freedom, our promise, which would be the promised land, Okay? And so everything that we're doing is with the intent that you and I are crossing over. So constantly in these messages, we want there to be this sense of I am moving. I'm I'm moving from where I have been or from where I was, and I'm going to where God would have me to be or where God intends for me to be, all right? And so we're we're constantly, hopefully, moving along. So in this particular session today, um, we're going to deal with the whole idea of authority, Uh, and power. And I want you to try to understand that today. I'm trying to try to give that to you today because honestly, this whole series is really all about just following the rescuer out of this bondage and into this promised land. We're going to do it together. All right. We're going just like the Israelites in the Old Testament went together. All right. We're going together as a church. All right. Your bondage may be very different than someone else's. Your your sin struggle might be very, very different and look and, and, and have a different feel than anyone else's. All right. In the room. But the reality is that we, we, are, we are free in Christ and we're going to find that freedom together as we go along and as we learn more about who Jesus is 
who we are, all right? So today we want to talk about this idea of understanding power and understanding authority. Jesus made a promise, and the promise was that he would give us power and he would give us authority in Matthew 16. And he said to Peter, he said, the gates of hell will not be able to withstand or withhold the advancing church. He said, I, I'm going to build my church, I'm going to advance my church, and I'm going to give you the power and the authority to do that. And so I want very much for you and I to be that kind of church. I want you and I to be a church that understands this power but also utilizes this power so that we can be the church that God intends us to be. And, and I think Jesus is saying here that, that he's greater in us than any one of us could be on our own. When he works through you, you're great, all right? But it's really not you that's great. It's the God working through you. It's Christ in you and through you. So you die to yourself. Christ lives through you. It's not you that's living, but it's Christ living through you. So it's Christ that is working through you. And so God's intent is to use you, to use us. Everything about God's economy is to use his creation, and so God intends to utilize you. So I, I'm, I'm not sure what maybe you've been told over the years. I'm not sure what maybe you experienced as a child. I'm, I'm not sure how you maybe came into the thinking of yourself or of God that you have over time. But what I want to say to you is that if, if you and I can get a right understanding of God and a right identity of ourselves in Christ and begin to function out of that identity, it will shift us, it will change us, and it will change the church. Because God wants to use you. So you're not disqualified by your past. You're not disqualified by something that happened decades or decades or decades ago. You're not disqualified by something that happened last night. All right? Understanding who you are in Christ can be one of the most liberating and freeing pieces of your faith. And so I want to challenge you and I today that we are, we are living out of that. And when, when we do, when we live and walk in this power and this authority that God has for us, we will see changes happening in our lives. We will see a difference in our own lives as we do this. And that's what I'm hoping for, that not only down the road somewhere you'll come back and say, hey, Pastor Bill, Pastor Dave, you know what, that series we did way back, you know, like five years ago, you know, that, I really like that. That, that. that did something for me. No, I hope that you're going to have such a dramatic shift in your thinking, your processing, your response to God, that you're going to be talking about it in the here and now in real time. And that there is manifestation of that revelation that you're getting from God of who you are and who God is. And that's going to come as we see amazing and wonderful things happen within the church, all right? So we in, we're going to talk more as we move along about the idea of two realms, the spiritual realm and the natural realm, and we're going to talk more about an enemy that is out there roaring, seeking whom he may devour, crouching at the door, uh, trying to get a hold of you. We're going to expose all of these things, all right? It's not crazy stuff. It's not weird stuff. It's mystical in, in, the, in the best sense of the word, but the reality is it's reality, all right? You're fighting a battle. And there are aspects of this battle that you fight that you don't really understand. 
And some of the battle is in this natural sense. Some of this battle is because of just decisions you've made. But there is a battle going on in you, around you, against you to try to take you out. And we're going to expose what some of that is as we go along as well. And so as we begin to read uh, all of what Paul is saying, especially this passage in 1 Corinthians, I want you to be able to begin a personal journey with the rest of the church. Very personal to you, but together we're journeying along. You see, when the Israelites began their journey, all of them had to pack their own bags. They had to figure out what they were going to take along. Uh, They had to talk to each other uh, as husbands and wives and as families and and they had to talk to their children and explain to them what they're about to do because it's going to be really challenging. It's going to be really difficult. We're going on a huge journey. It's fraught with all kinds of things that could be harmful. And yet, there's a great promise in it, and God is leading us, and we're going to follow God. And so each family had their issues to deal with. Each family had to talk through, what, well, how is this going to affect us, and how are we going to handle this, and what are we going to do about that? And as they did, they were joining in, in their little circle, they were joining in, in a much bigger circle, if you will, of influence, and they were going together. Life Church is going into this freedom together, all right? All of us are going to do this together. But the reality is that each one of you has a unique and and, uh, amazing little story of your own that you're going to be able to tell as you go through this. And so hopefully, as we're going through this and as we step into this journey, we're going to begin to come into this understanding of Paul and others who are going to teach us from Scripture that there is a power that we can tap into that can carry us along. And it is for the work of the kingdom, all right? It's not just about words, but it's about a work that God wants to do through you and I. And so that's where we're landing. So I have a dream in all of this, and my dream is a dream for Life Church. And, and here is my dream. I, w- I will be honest with you, and I'm not trying to set you and I up for any kind of failure because I have a great deal of faith here in what God is going to do over the next number of Sundays. I have a dream for life, church. Sorry. I want us to be a church that's real. I want us to be a church where there's no pretense where we're not coming in and in some kind of way we're, we're, we're living out sanctified lies to one another and saying it's okay, it's all right, everything's good, everything's great, everything's perfect. But that we can honestly talk about who we are and where we are and what's going on in our lives and in our hearts and we can share our struggles and our disappointments with each, with each other and we can gather with each other and hold each other up in those places. I want us to be able to talk about the great exploits that we're doing for God and the way that God is using us for His glory. I want us to be able to identify signs and wonders and miracles that are going on in our lives and we share them with one another and we celebrate together these things. I want a church where people can come in here and when they're sick and afflicted in their soul, they can find rest and hope in Jesus and people who will gather around them and love on them. I want a church where people will come in here and when they're sick in their body, with the aches and the pains of just hard work and labor and life, that they can come in and and they can be prayed for and they can feel God strengthening them so they can face another week and do their work and serve God and be faithful. I want a church where people who are very afraid can come in and find peace in their soul 
when they're prayed for. I want people to be able to come in here who have sins that are ugly and they're a bondage and they're, they're holding a person back that they can find someone trustworthy and they can confess and they can be forgiven and, and they can be prayed for and shame and guilt falls away and the glory of the Lord comes and shines through them. I want people who are walking in here full of the word and the power of God and able to declare things over one another and break off bondage and darkness. I want a church where people come and they're not so downcast and there's hope. And as they worship God, hope rises up and their worship begins to be celebratory. I want a church where when someone else in the community is sick or afflicted or bound or struggling or hurt or wounded or broken or disenfranchised and they share that with someone else and they declare, I don't know what to do. The automatic response of the other person is, have you been to Life Church? There you'll find Jesus. There you'll find hope. There you'll find people who will love you. There you'll find people who will walk along with you. That's my dream. Are we there? No, we're not there. Are we trying? Yeah, we're trying. We are trying. But I believe that there is, there is a better life church ahead of us. I believe that there is a place where you and I can overcome our own fears and our own brokenness and our own bondages and our own uh, disillusionment and whatever, and we can begin to serve God out of a joy that is unspeakable and full of his glory that is proven by power and by authority. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm going for. I don't know what you're... Maybe you're in here and you're just sitting there going, Pastor, that's fine, great. I just need to get set free. <laughs> I'm tired of being broken. I'm tired of being bound. Praise the Lord. You're in the right place, okay? I have a lofty dream here, but it's a dream that I believe God can meet. I believe that God can answer this dream in my heart as we allow him to set each of us free, all right? So, with that in mind, could I talk to you for a few minutes this morning? Just to lay some positional teaching out here, can I talk to you about this whole thing of understanding power and authority? And the first thing that I want you to get today, okay, is that this authority is God's authority, all right? This authority is, is it belongs to Jesus Christ, and, and he has it. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 19 what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might? Think about those words that he's using there, all right? Immeasurable greatness, power, all right? Great might here, all right? He worked it in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. We have this imagery of Jesus, and, and he is being raised from the dead, and he is uh, spending some time on the earth, and he's teaching, and then he ascends to be with the Father at the end of his teaching, and the Bible says he sits down at the right hand of the Father. I've heard sermons preached, and I, I, 
I, I don't want to be picky today, but I'm going to be a little bit picky today, okay? I, I, I love my brothers who preach, and I never want to put down a pastor or a preacher or someone who's willing to, to boldly and courageously stand up and, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let's, let's do it with, with a thoroughness and a study of the scriptures, and let's, let's be certain that what we're preaching is, is the heart and the mind of, of Jesus Christ. And I hear pastors who say, and Jesus came in, and Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, and Jesus was done. He rested. And I'm like, no! <laughs> no, that's not my Jesus. No, he, this whole idea of sitting to the right of the Father... There's so much symbolism in that and so much beauty in that because that person who sits to the right of someone with power and authority receives the same power and authority oftentimes. And so there's this huge sense of understanding Jesus as, yes, He is the Son of God and He sat down at the right hand of the Father in the sense that He received the same authority and the power that the uncreated Creator gave. And so we see this Jesus who's now receiving, in the power of the resurrection, he's receiving all of this fullness of authority and power and dominion that is his. Far above, it says, all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Christ's authority is the ultimate authority, folks. All right? He, his is the ultimate authority. There's, there's no other authority above his in any way. For 40 days after Jesus rose alive from the grave, he then ascended to heaven. There God honors him by seating him at his own right hand. And Jesus holds that place of authority even now. But he's not seated there all the time. It's not like he's done, that it's over, all right? But he is very present in the realm of the invisible. He is very present to you and to me. And Jesus is this ultimate authority over his church, over all uh, spirit beings in the invisible realm, including Satan. This, this, you, I hear this from time to time, actually quite often. Well, Satan got ahead of the game. Satan got a foothold. All right? And people start talking about this as though they are declaring that Satan has some kind of edge over Jesus. He doesn't. He has no authority above Christ. This is what you need to understand for your, your freedom and for your deliverance is that this Jesus in you, this Jesus who entered you, uh, the point of salvation has all authority and all power and all dominion. This Jesus residing in you is the ultimate power. There's nothing else that can take that away. There's no one or no thing of any greater power or authority than Jesus. And this passage says that God has placed everything under his feet in the sense that he has dominion, he has rule over everything. Now, you're going, well, hey, great. Now, I, I'm starting to understand something. I got some power here. I got some authority here. Be careful. Be careful. I don't want you to misunderstand the power or the authority because I don't want you to misuse the power and the authority 
that's been given to you. Jesus' authority was and is greater than all of creation, all created beings. Jesus ministered a divine power and authority when he walked on the earth, and he continues to minister that same divine authority today in our lives. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand. As he did this, as Jesus ministered in authority and in power, he never once moved outside of God the Father's direction or authority. He, he stayed in, all right? He never independently determined what he would do or how he would do it. He was constantly committed and subjected to the will of the Father, all right? He didn't even say anything unless he heard from his Father that he should speak. You can go through a whole litany of, of passages, but John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus says, I do nothing without consulting the Father. I, I judge as I'm told. My, my judgment is absolutely just. Why? Because it is according to the will of God who sent me. It is not merely my own. On occasion, he says, I'm not teaching you my own ideas. I'm teaching the ideas of the God who sent me, my Father. He went so far as to say, I would do nothing outside of the direction of God the Father. I would say nothing outside of the direction of God the Father. Here's the problem with the church. Here's the problem with you and I is that we do so many things outside of consulting the Father. I'm not saying they're bad things. They may be noble things, but they're done outside of consulting the Father. They're done outside of discerning the will of the Father. And then we wonder why we don't have a, a greater success. We, don't, we wonder why there's not a, uh, an anointing upon what we're doing and, and other people are doing other things and, and they're having all of this, this success, if you will, spiritually, or they're strong in the Lord and you're battling. Well, where are you in terms of your submission to God? Please understand something here. Authority, I don't know why, but when I walk this way, there's a bump bump every time I do. It's the strangest thing. I'm afraid that there's like something that's going to shock me and just I'm just going to, you know. Authority isn't laid out based on your position or any other level in the earth realm, nor is it according to gender. Please understand that. Authority is from God. Authority has been given to His Son, Jesus Christ. So, fellas, if you think you got authority and your spouse doesn't have authority, well, then you're wrong. Men... If you think in the church that you have authority and the women don't, you're wrong. Authority is given from God to his son Jesus who then said, I give you, who? The body of Christ, my authority and my power to go and make disciples. We're all called, we're all sent. And we're sent under the power and the authority and the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants a church that can do that, that can go in the name of Jesus. 
But ladies and gentlemen, you having the authority of Jesus Christ is not you having complete freedom. Doctors Hitchcock will, will hit on all of that, and, and, and I'm going to leave that in their arena as much as I can. I don't want to duplicate what, what they're, they're doing. But, but here in this message today, when we're talking about authority and power, I want, I want you to understand this, all right? We're not telling you that because you now have authority and you now have power that you have freedom. You are set free under the dominion of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean you're free to do whatever you want to do. You and I are given this freedom in order to be responsible with this freedom, to use this freedom for the glory of God, to push back darkness, to establish His kingdom. So you haven't been given a power that is now yours. The power belongs to God, but it has been given to you. The authority belongs to God, but it has been given to you. And just as Jesus was submissive to God the Father and moved in and under His authority in all that He did, you must do the same. You and I must live in that same level of authority. We must, we must be there where Jesus was. But because he ministered, hear this now, because he ministered under authority, he had amazing authority. And so when you look at your life and you go, my life is desolate, my life is barren, I don't have any authority, I don't have any power, I can't. I can't stop sinning. I, I, I keep falling into this habitual thing. It keeps happening over and over and over. Well, are you under authority? Or are you just feeling free? While this authority and this power is inseparably related to each other, you can't... You can't really pull them apart, there's still a very distinct difference uh, between God's authority and, and God's power. See, now, Jesus is, is identified as having God's authority and God's power, and, and Jesus dispenses to his disciples authority and power. Luke chapter 4, verse 36 says that the people were amazed at the teachings of Jesus, that with authority and with power he gave orders to evil spirits and they came out. And a little further down in Luke chapter 9, it says that Jesus called the 12 disciples together and it says he gave them the power and the authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And I, I, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're going... Okay, Pastor, what, so what are you, what are you, where are you headed here? What are you, what are you going to do? You're going to put us all in robes, and you're going to have us casting out demons, and you're going to be doing this, and, and you, we're going to have lines, and you're going to have all the sick people come in. I would to God that it would happen. I'd love to go clean a hospital out. I, I would love to do that, all right? But that's not what I'm advocating at all. I'm not, I'm not calling you to be crazy people. I'm not calling you to be weird people. I'm calling you to be people of power and authority. I'm calling you to understand 
Folks, we're a long way from praying for sick people and, and, and praying for demon-possessed people, not that they're not available to us. But we're a long way from there. We need to be set free. We need to be liberated as God's people and understand where we are positionally in God. See, authority is, is it really, authority is the right to rule. All right? When, you, when, you, when you've been given authority, authority is, is, is based upon a position that gives that person the right to rule with, within limits, within scope, you know, of, of designated authority. For example, a police officer has authority. If a police officer pulls you over out there on the street, the police officer has a great deal of authority. All right? That police officer cannot go onto a military installation and begin to give orders and tell everyone on a military installation what to do. He has authority within a certain scope, if, if you will, all right? And so he can't just rule over any people in any realm that he, he wants to. Power is the ability to rule. I, I think the scripture is very clear. We, we've been... We've been extended the authority of Jesus Christ to, to carry out the work, if you will, of advancing his kingdom. But not everybody is able to exercise that authority in power because their life is not at a place where they are able to appropriate the power that God has for them. But here's what I want you to understand here, okay? And that is that... Um, Jesus Christ has given you authority. Let me back up. Let me, let me take you to this other one. You've been given authority by Jesus, all right? And I don't think I used that scripture yet, so let me, let me run that by you here because I think this is really important. In, when Jesus called us to go out, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, you go. You make disciples of all nations. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, notice what he says, I am with you. There it goes again. No offense to all of you, but I'm preaching this way right now, okay? I'm not a techie person. You've been commissioned to go. You've been given the power and the authority to do so. And he's promised you that he will be with you. Why are we not doing this at a level where we are seeing a tremendous impact? I think one of the main reasons is we're not walking in the power that God has given to us. All right? He, he has laid this out for you and I and it is ours to take a hold of. But it is only going to happen as you live in this realm of authority. This means that, that you don't live in the realm of fear. It means that, that, that you don't live in the realm of unbelief. It, it means that you don't live in realms of false identities that the enemy tries to put on you. 
It means that you understand that if you are a believer, if you are a child of God, there is only one identity for you. There is only one position for you, and that is in Christ. That is, that is where God has you. That is where you need to land, all right? When he sent the 70 out, they came back having ministered in his name, and they were amazed. They said, even, even the demons tremble when we say your name, when we use your name. Some of you are just looking at me like, what in the world are you, are you where are you going, Pastor? Listen, don't be scared of this. I'm not asking you to go anywhere but in Christ. I'm not asking you to live any, anywhere but in his authority. Let me ask you this. Let, let, me, let, me, let me change this here. Let me talk to you a, a little bit more intimately here. What, how, how many of you have someone in your family? Like in your immediate family, how many of you have someone that's lost or broken or addicted or messed up in some way? And you've been praying for them and you haven't seen a lot of change. How many of you have a friend at work somewhere and they've been confessing to you and saying, I have this problem and I have this and this is going on and that's going on. But you haven't felt the liberty to really pull them aside and say, can I just pray for you because I believe God will do something wonderful in your life. How many of us, we are paralyzed. We're, we're living under some kind of spiritual paralysis because we are not able, we're not confident, we don't have the faith level to say, you know what, I believe my God's big enough. What's wrong with us that we're not there? What's wrong with us that we're not in that place? For many of us, it's because we are so bound ourselves that we're not able to confidently appropriate that power and authority that's been given to us through Jesus Christ. If Jesus sent you, he has equipped you. You say, you don't know how hard my life is. You don't know how much I have to deal with and how much I'm faced with. I don't. I don't know what you, you deal with day to day, but I know God. And I believe that you know God on a level can you know him deeper? Can you know him greater? Can you, can you get into this place where you are walking in this authority based on your identity? I mean, ask yourself, do you, do you really see yourself as a child of God? Do you really see yourself as, as a son or daughter of, of a holy father who has empowered you to, to go to other people and share this love to pray for them, to ask God for their healing, for their deliverance. How many times have you wished you had more? God, I just wish I could pray for that person and they could just like, get free. And how many times has someone come to you and just shared their heart with you and you just listened? And I hear it right here in Life Church. I'll be thinking about you. I'm sorry. Thinking about you? If I'm confessing to you that I am battling sin or I am in bondage or my family is, is destroyed by some sinful situation, if, if I'm wrecked with unbelief and doubt and fear and I'm caving in, if, if, if I'm 
ashamed and guilt-ridden because of sin that, that I just can't get on top of, and I come to you and I have enough courage to share that with you, and you look at me and say, I'll be thinking about you. Well, don't. That's not what I'm looking for. That's not what the world's after. The world out there is broken. The world out there is in a mess. Sin is abounding. The enemy's having a heyday in my family, in your family. Stuff's going on in us and around us. We need to be a people who are walking by faith and by confidence in the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you need to understand is that you have received that authority. He says, it's my authority. I have it. Not only in heaven, but I have it on earth. Now you go, all right? But in Colossians, he says, in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. I pray to God that, that Easter this year is profoundly impacting for every one of us because we're going to understand that that same resurrection power is alive in all of us to be utilized for the glory of God. And so we began to live out of this identity, out of this understanding that, that in our salvation we have received something tremendous, and that is this power of the resurrection. Our sins are forgiven. Everything has been canceled. There's no debt on our part. There's no legal demands upon us. He has set aside everything, nailed them to the cross, if you will. And in doing so, he has also, look at what it says, disarmed all rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. He didn't just say, you don't have any power anymore. He shamed them out of the game. See, one reason that the enemy has so much ability to grab a hold of you and your decision-making and your thought processes is that he has ways of deceiving you to believe that you don't have the power and the authority that you do. And so we're very weak, we're very anemic as God's people. We're going to teach you more about all of this stuff as we go along here. I'm just trying to set the, 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 the foundation today. But you've got to understand that not only, not only did God want you to come out of bondage and come into promise, but he has actually given you the same power that the Father gave him so that you can do that. You have that power. You have that authority to be able to do that. If you were an unbeliever, you would be down on the list of authorities and powers, okay? But because you are a believer, you have been put right up under Jesus now because you have the same power and the same authority that he does.
That means you've been set free from the power and the authority of Satan because you are now walking in the power and the authority of Jesus. This ought to change the way you pray. I remember saying one time, and we're going to close here in just a moment, but I remember saying one, one time in, in, a, in a little group of people, I was saying, you know, if you just understood the authority that you have in Jesus, if you just understood your identity in Jesus more, I'd, I'd love to just sit down with you and talk to you about your, your identity in Jesus, all right? If you, just, if you just understood that, it would radically change the way you pray. There's a group of believers now. There's four or five of them. And one of, one of the other individuals standing there said, well, I think first we just probably should start praying, huh? All right, now this is where you pull back to the previous series. All right. Are you a person of prayer? Is the discipline of prayer working and operative in your life? That is one of the disciplines that we talked about in the prior series. Pull from the prayer now. If, if, if you understand your identity in Jesus better, then you start praying, all right, consistently in a disciplined manner. And don't just pray all kinds of stuff. Pray out of this identity. Begin to ask God to help you to understand better your identity that you have in Jesus, to understand the authority and the power that you have and how you are to utilize that for the kingdom of God. So you begin to pray. Now, as you pray, you don't just sit there and, and close your eyes and wait and say, okay, God, I'm waiting, you know, or hold out your hands. Okay, God, I'm in the posture to receive, so just give it to me, you know. No, you don't do that. Now you pull from the discipline of the Word of God, the spiritual discipline that we talked about of studying the Word of God. You get in the Word of God. You get into the New Testament. You read the Gospels. You read Corinthians. You read Ephesians. You read these passages that teach you about the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ for your life, all right? So get in there and begin to study now. So now you're studying the Word of God about power and about authority because we're in this series on bondage. This is the relevant place for you to be. Well, I'm partial to Hosea. Well, sorry, get out of Hosea, all right? <laughs> Let's do this together. Let, let, come in. Here, here's, here's one of our problems is that we don't want to do what everybody else is doing. And even more, we don't necessarily want to do what Jesus is doing. And so we live in this kind of passive rebellion. It's not that I'm going against God, but I'm just not going with God. And so we don't pray. We ask someone else to pray for us. I, I've had people say, well, I'm not really much for praying, so why don't you just pray for me, Pastor? Come on. These are disciplines. All right, pull from them. Study the Word of God. Pray. Let's go back to start with those two disciplines. We're going to get into fasting and some of the others as, as we go along here. And we're going to call a fast, okay? We're going to do all of this stuff. We're going to pull all of this back in. But we've got to stop here today. But what I want you to understand is that there is something for you to do. There's a part that you play in this of receiving the authority and receiving the power of Jesus into your life. It's going to require something from you. 
for you to be able to do this. And above all, you are going to have to be able to, to, to walk in such a way that this power and this authority can work in your life. What can keep you from walking in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ? Personal sin. Personal sin can keep you away. I'm going to go through these really quickly here, okay? Personal sin will, will just stop the power of God from flowing through you. Ignorance. Hosea says, my, my people perish for lack of understanding. Get in the Word. Begin to understand. Begin to, to, to study what the power and the authority of Jesus is. Unbelief. The centurion said, I, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. In other words, I'm trying. I'm trying to believe. And, and God honors your effort. God honors your try. But pray. Ask God to, to help you, to give you faith, to increase your faith. Ask a brother or sister to pray over you and to pray faith into your life and into your heart, all right? Fear. You've not been given the spirit of fear if you are a child of God. You've been given love and power and soundness of mind. Hang on to that. Live in that place. Don't let the fear of what is out there or the unknown or the what if get in the way of you grabbing a hold of everything that God has for you. Prayerlessness. When the man came and said to the disciples, Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he says to the disciples, my son's got tormenting spirits. Pray for him, please. He needs to be delivered. And they prayed, nothing happened. And Jesus came down. And he said, your disciples prayed, but nothing happened. And the disciples had a good question. How come nothing happened, Jesus? This comes out by prayer. Were they praying? Probably they were praying. But were they praying right? I, I want you praying right. And here's what I want you to understand. Sometimes even when you pray, you respond or you act out of your own strength. Mm -hmm. You speak out of your flesh. You speak out of your own ability <laughs> instead of trusting God. I want you praying so that the Spirit of God is rising up in you and you're becoming the man or woman of God that He intends for you to be and you're living free. We cannot move forward and be a delivered church to be a free church if we are a prayerless church. So we're going to help you. We're going to declare a, 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 a fasting time and a prayer time uh, a little further into the series. But right now, we're just trying to get you foundation to see where you are. So today... You are a child of God, all right? Andrew, would you make your way up here, please? You're a child of God. Your identity rests in who Jesus says you are, not who the enemy says you are. All right? So hold on. I've taken a lot of your time probably, but can you give us a, just a, a presentation of the gospel here real quick? So why we'd even be talking about this, why we'd even even be in, in a series talking about freedom. You know, why, why do we need to be free? Um, it goes back to the beginning. Uh, there's, there's God existing, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing, and, and out of his perfect love, created everything, created us. Um, and we were in right relationship with God. Um, humanity was in right relationship with God. And then... And then we choose, we chose 
to go our own way. We chose to to be our own God. We said we know best. And this, this wasn't an act that just happened years and years and years ago. This is, this is a choice that we've all made. We've all chosen to go our own way. We've all chosen, oh God, I, I think I know best for my life. You know, I, I think I know what's going to satisfy me. I think I know what's going to actually be, be, be freeing for myself. And really where, where all of that leads is death. Leads to helplessness. Leads to lostness. Leads to bondage. And in that we, we are bound to death and sin. But we, uh, we aren't stuck there. Um, God who created us. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who has existed from, from before all of us. He said, I still want to be in relationship with you. And I, I want you to have life. I don't want death to define you. And so time and time and time again, he entered into into our lives, into history, into the world to give life, to free. And he did that ultimately in his son, Jesus. Jesus, who is God, God who put on flesh, who came and dwelt among us, who lived perfectly, who taught, who showed us what it looks like to live to love, to be in relationship with the Father and to have that inform the entirety of who he was. To live a perfect life and to die on the cross for us. And not just to die, but, but taking all our sins on him, this, this perfect one, God, who, who is life, he became death for us. But he didn't just stop there. Because that would be that would be a terrible end to a story. That wouldn't get us anywhere. That wouldn't that wouldn't get God in our relationship with Him anywhere. No, He He rose again three days later. His God, who created us, chose to live among us, chose to die for us, and chose to raise back up to life, giving us each life as well. And if that is if that is New to you today, we're going to have our prayer team come up, and you can come speak with them, and they will pray for you. You will pray together. If, if this is something this, that, that, that you, have, you have said before, like, I am, I am in with you, Jesus. I trust you. But again, this, 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 this bondage, these chains are, are still holding you. Please. Come up, receive prayer, and pray together. Um, Because our God, he is one who breaks chains. He is one who frees. And he is one who brings us into true and real life that is found in him. Uh, So if you'd pray with me, please. Lord, thank you so much that you are God and that we are not. Thank you so much that you don't lord your power over us, but instead you act in power to give us life. That you choose to be in relationship with us, that you choose to go to us, that you choose to love us, and that you give us the free choice to choose you, to love you, to be in relationship with you. Um, Lord, we, 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 we believe that you are a God who frees, and we thank you. 
Lord, help us to continue to, to understand and live into that freedom and all that that means for us, for those around us, for this city and this world. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.